Well, I'm glad you're here on this Independence Day weekend. Nick and I thought we'd do something special today where uh, we could really make this uh, about as intimate as we can as far and as personal as we can when it comes to praying for our nation. Uh, it's the 4th of July. It seemed like a great time to pray for our nation. Would you not agree? Yeah. A lot of things to pray about, but before we even get into that, if you would grab your outline here, I want to remind you of a couple of good reasons why we need to pray. I mean, the Bible tells us we need to pray for our nation. I want to start off with three good reasons before we jump into praying for our nation. First of all, I want to remind us that praying for our nation pleases God. If you're ever wondering, hey, what would make God happy today? Well, praying always makes him happy. It does. Listen to this. Uh, Paul writing Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all those who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. And then read this next phrase out loud together with me, please. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. I mean, you understand, if we are praying for our leaders, then we can live peaceful, quiet lives in godliness and dignity. Well, that gives us opportunities to tell people about Christ. That gives us opportunities to give people hope when they're hopeless. Gives us opportunities to encourage people when they're down. If we're just hiding because we're under persecution, well, it's hard to get things done. But if we have godly leaders making godly decisions directed in the way God wants us to go, well, we can live peaceful and quiet lives and we can help people. My friends, we need to pray. I mean, we can wring our hands or we can fold our hands, and I'll tell you which one the Bible says is a better use of our hands. I mean, it's putting our hands together and praying. It pleases God. Secondly, praying for our nation determines our welfare. I mean, if you've never marked this verse in your Bible, you need to. Jeremiah 29, 7. The prophet Jeremiah is is speaking for the Lord here, and, or through the Lord, uh, through Jeremiah, the Lord is speaking to his people, and he says, work for the peace and prosperity of the, of the city where I send you into exile. God's people were being carried away in slavery. They were being carried away in exile for a time of punishment uh, for 70 years. And the Lord was telling them, when you go there, here's what you need to do. Pray to the Lord for it. For it. For its welfare will determine your welfare, your welfare. If, if you and I are wise about this, we understand God has placed us in our neighborhood. He's placed us in our city, in our state, in our nation. Right now, he knows exactly where we are. Well, the wisest thing we could do is pray for the welfare of our city, our state, our nation. Because the city's welfare, the state's welfare, the nation's welfare, well, that's where our welfare comes from. And so it's really foolish to say, well, I don't like the mayor, or I don't like the governor, or I don't like the president, or I don't like some laws that are being passed, so I'm not going to pray about it. Well, that's all the more reason to pray. And we need to pray that godly advisors will surround our leaders, and they'll make just laws, and that bad laws will be overturned. Again, this is what God's people do. We pray. This pleases God, and it determines our welfare. Also, praying for our nation is the most powerful thing we can do. I mean, what can I as one person do? Well, not much. But I can call on the creator of the universe, and he can do a whole lot. 
I had a free amen at 8 a.m. I just want everybody to mark this day. This is a historical occasion. Man, I love coffee. Anyway, that's great. We're awake. Look, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Can we read this verse out loud, please? The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Here's another verse. Jesus told his disciples, here on earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. We're praying in the name of Jesus to the creator God of the whole universe. There's no problem he cannot solve. So what's the best use of my time? Oh, posting angry things on social media. That'll get it done. That's going to bring about change. Or, or instead of doing this, I go, Lord, I, I need your help here. I, I'm concerned. And that's why it's so important to pray. But I also want to begin this next point also, too. And for that to happen, we need to get our hearts right. I may give you some reasons to pray, but we also need to get our hearts right so we can pray. We need to get our hearts right. Second Chronicles 7. Um, God is speaking to Solomon. They have just construct, he's constructed this amazing temple to the Lord, and he's asked God to bless it, and God is speaking to Solomon. And he says, Solomon, at times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or I might send plagues among you. And then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, well, I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins and restore their land. The first thing I want you to know out of that passage, this passage, if you go to a prayer meeting on the National Day of Prayer or any Fourth of July prayer meeting, this verse, these verses will probably be quoted sometime in the meeting. And they should be. I mean, there's some good instruction here. And I want to bring up a few things. First of all, we need to pray that God will wake us up. Where did I get that out of that passage? Well, it started off where God was telling Solomon, at times I might send grasshoppers or some other plague or things. He had promised them if they would be his people and he would be their God and he'd take care of them and protect them from all those things. He said, if you notice all this stuff is starting to happen, then you know that it's time to repent. It's time to do some examination. That's a wake-up call. When these things start to happen, you need to cry out to me. You need to humble yourselves, seek me again, turn from your wicked ways. When Paul was writing to the Ephesians who lived, the people in Ephesus, and they lived in a place, ah, oh, there was hot and cold running sin in that city. And here's what he told them. He said, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It's shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. That's why it said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise, and make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And in his letter to the Thessalonians, he said this, Let's not sleepwalk through life like those others. This is the Eugene Peterson's message translation. Let's keep our eyes open and be smart. People sleep at night. They get drunk at night. But not us. We're creatures of the day, and we need to act like it. I mean, we need to be people who pray. What do people who walk in the light 
act like? Well, they act like people who understand that they live in a dark world. So we need to pray. We pray. I put a quote in uh, the discussion questions on the back side of the outline. If you're watching online, you can uh, find this there as well. But uh, it was an evangelist who lived, he died about 100 years ago. His name was R.A. Torrey. And in 1917, he said this, Let a few of God's people, they don't need to be many, get thoroughly right with God themselves. The rest will count for nothing unless you start right there. Then let them band themselves together to pray for revival until God opens the heavens and comes down. And then let them put themselves at God's disposal to use them as he sees fit. That'll bring revival to any church, any community. Make sure you're right with God. Get together with some other Christians who will pray for revival. And then when God shows you what to do, do whatever he tells you to do. Get right with God. Pray with some others. And do whatever he tells you to do. Sounds exactly like what God told Solomon. Humble yourself. Seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways. So we're going to pray right now that God's going to wake us up. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here on Independence Day. Lord, I love fireworks celebrations. And Lord, I'd love to see some fireworks go off in our lives. Father, I prayed you'd wake us up. It's so easy to get comfortable. It's so easy to get bound up in fear. It's so easy to worry instead of pray. It's so easy to comment about things and stay angry all the time. Lord, we're children of light. And Lord, if there's going to be a spiritual awakening, it has to start with me. Wake me up. Convince me to pray more. My welfare depends on it. My family's welfare, our church's welfare depends on the welfare of our nation, our city. Why would I not pray for the leaders? Father, this pleases you when we pray. And we want to please you. And Father, this is the most powerful thing we can do. I, I, we're nothing. We're insignificant. But Lord Jesus, you are almighty. And there is no problem you can't solve. So we come before you on this Independence Day. And we pray that you would awaken your people. You'd awaken our city. You'd awaken us. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. Thank you, Lord. The scripture says you bend down from heaven and listen when your people pray. Oh, Lord, thank you that you're always more ready to listen than we are to pray. And if you haven't thanked him for that lately, thank him right now. Just out loud, would you just say, thank you, Lord, for listening to my prayers? Say it out loud, right where you are. Oh, thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins, and I'll restore their land. I want to spend some time unpacking each of those steps. We talked about how important revival is. 
Well, revival, I've heard it said, the best way to bring revival to a nation, I mean, to put into practice what R.A. Torrey was talking about. I heard a fellow say one time, well, draw a circle on the ground, stand in the circle, and pray that God will revive the person standing in the circle. It always starts with me. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, if, you, if you've ever had this happen to you, you've probably had it happen. My wife and I have had it happen a couple of times in our marriage where sometime during the night the power went off, the alarm clock didn't go off when it was supposed to, and one of us woke up. And you knew it was the wrong time because the room was a whole lot brighter than it usually is. And you go, oh, my goodness. And you're shaking the other person. What time is it? And you realize, I've been asleep. I was asleep much longer than I thought. And everything's changed. Well, that's what happens in a spiritual awakening. Only things aren't brighter than we thought. They're darker than we thought. And for God to awaken the nation, I think Tory was right. I'm certain that the scripture is true. When Paul was saying, hey, I need to be awakened. Three steps to that. God told Solomon, first of all, we need to humble ourselves. If I'm going to be spiritually awake, I need to humble myself. I'm not going to want to wake up if I think i got plenty of time. I don't know where this is somebody else's problem. I'm good. Jesus talked about this once. He said two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. The other was a despised tax collector. A Pharisee was a deeply religious person. Despised tax collector was a notorious criminal. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. Oh, I thank you, God. I'm not like other people, like cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven when he prayed. He said he beat his chest in sorrow and he said, oh, God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I mean, the Pharisee didn't really go to the temple to pray. He went there to boast. So other people could hear how righteous he was. And I'm not saying any of us would do that necessarily. But it is tempting to say, Lord, I thank you. I'm not like those people over there. I'm not like the people who march for this or demonstrate for that or do this or do that. I thank you. I'm not like them. Lord, I'm a good guy. Well, if I'm going to have my heart broken for our nation, I need to first of all come and say, God, I'm a sinner saved by grace too. I mean, we need to let that sink in. I mean, people would have been shocked when they heard Jesus tell the story. They thought the Pharisees were the most religious of the bunch. And Jesus was saying, yeah, well, but they were prideful. Because if I have self-righteousness, that's going to lead to pride. And pride is always going to lead me to judging and even despising others. It's really hard to, pe to pray for people that you despise other than God smite them, okay, or something like that, <laughs> whatever smiting is. Next point is, so we need to humble ourselves. We also need to seek God's face. My people humble themselves, seek my face. What does it mean to seek his face? Well, seeking God's face basically means seeking his presence, wanting him more than anything else, just wanting to be with him, wanting him, not just his stuff, Hear, O God, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon, also upon me. This is David. And answer me. This is a man after God's own heart. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. 
I'm coming, Lord. When you said, seek my face, Lord, that's what I want. Oh, God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. More of David here. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Oh, I long to be with you. I mean, does that describe the way you and I pray? I mean, sad to say, but all too often the prayer life of a lot of people, it's kind of a ripcord prayer. Oh, God, I'm in trouble. Pull the ripcord. God, I need money. God, I need healing. God, I need a job. God, I need this. And that's, that's it. Is it wrong to pray we need something? Of course not. But there's much more to a relationship with God. And when God's saying, hey, if you want to bring revival to a nation, if you want me to bless the nation, that nation needs to be revived and returned to me. Me. First of all, you've got to humble yourselves. You're not a big shot. Secondly, you need to seek me. And that takes time. In the margin, if you could write the word time. This is time spent in prayer. Time spent in meditation. Time sometimes just being silent. Time just praising him. And this is why we're doing this even where we're singing. It just takes time. It's a part of prayer. We also need to ask God to show us our sins so we can turn from our wicked ways. I mean, if I'm humble, I'm willing for him to show me where I've messed up. If I don't want to go around, if I don't want others to despise me, well, Lord, show me the things that I do that irk others. I mean, there's things that people do to irk me. Will you show me what I do to irk others, upset them? Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Mm. And this is worship. You are almighty God. I can't believe you love a sinner like me. God, you see where our nation is. And if you hadn't saved me and opened my eyes, I'd be marching against all kinds of things. I'd be doing things that are wrong. Lord, you know it. Would you show me the things in my life that are wrong so that when I pray for others, I can pray for myself too? Will you pray with me? Oh, Heavenly Father, we come before you in praise. We come before you in worship. We come before you in adoration. And Lord, we come before you seeking your face. Father, forgive us for the times when Everything is a ripcord prayer. It's urgent. It's a rush. And Lord, we treat you more like a genie than the God of heaven. We just want you to grant our wishes. And then we put you away in a bottle until we need you again. But Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to give us life, to give us forgiveness, and to give us a place in your family. We thank you that Jesus kicked open the door to the throne room of heaven. And we can boldly enter into your presence anytime we want. And so we enter into your presence right now. And oh God, we are heartily sorry for our sins. Father, how can we pray for others when we're self-righteous, when we look in the mirror? Forgive us for our pride. 
We humble ourselves in your presence. Now, God, we pray that you would give us a deep conviction to seek your face, not just now, but every day, to spend time in your presence, just sitting at your feet. I mean, David was right. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. God, would you give us a hunger and a thirst for you? But Father, we thank you also for sending your Holy Spirit to guide and empower us in our daily lives. And oh God, would you quicken our hearts and would you prompt us to seek your face, to see you for who you are, to see ourselves for who we rightly are. People saved by the grace of God, adopted into your family, children of the King, ambassadors of the good news. We want to lovingly share the good news with everybody and understand when people don't understand it because we didn't understand or embrace it either for a long time. Now, Father, would you open our eyes so we can see your greatness? Would you open our eyes so we can see you and your majesty? your great love for us and how you are working on our behalf. Oh, it's good to be in your presence today, Lord. And remind us this doesn't have to be an occasional thing. You want this every day. So Father, if we're praying for spiritual awakening in America, start with me. Remind me to humble myself every day, to seek your face, and to turn from my wicked ways. In just a moment of silence right now, if there's something you know you need to make right with someone, if there's something you know you need to confess to the Lord, you know oh, this is something that's wrong in my life, confess it now and say, God, forgive me for my sin. I give this to you. Would you show me what to do to, to set things right? But Lord, right now, I just give this to you and ask your forgiveness. I don't want anything between me and you. We pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Point three on your outline reminds us that we need to ask God to also give us his love and compassion people in our country who are far from him. This is what comes next. I mean, again, if we're prideful, it's really hard to pray for people we despise. The disciples had to learn this. They lived, Jesus was walking the face of the earth at a time when the people who lived in the southern part of Israel had nothing to do with the people who lived in the center section. They were called Samaritans. They had long since given up the purity of the Jewish bloodline and had intermarried with people from other countries and they had lots of strange beliefs and the, the temple that was located in the southern part in Jerusalem, the people here had nothing to do with people just a few miles from them. I mean, they lived at a time when they disagreed about religion, they disagreed about how the country should be run, so they disagreed about politics. They disagreed so much they would have nothing to do with people who, who disagreed with them. Can you imagine a country like that? It would be hard to imagine, but, but you'll have to think about it, okay? Just kind of picture it. I mean, this is why, again, I mean, I'm always amazed when people 
tell me the Bible isn't relevant. See if this story isn't relevant with that in mind. At the time that it, at the, as the time drew near for Jesus to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem where he would be crucified. So this is days, weeks before he's going to die on the cross for, all, for the sins of the whole world. So he, he sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his, his arrival. So he was passing through Samaria on his way to Jerusalem. But the people of that village didn't welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. Well, if you're going to Jerusalem, then we don't want anything to do with you. Man. When James and John saw this, two of the disciples who had seen Jesus do miracles, heard the Sermon on the Mount, heard I was supposed to love others, pray for people, all of those things. They said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? I mean, that's just amazing. And Jesus turned and rebuked them. No, since I'm going to Jerusalem to die on the cross for their sins in a couple of weeks, that would probably be a bad idea. That's us. That's the reason that story's in there. Lord, did you see what this person posted online? Did you see, did you hear what they said? Lord, should I call down fire? Um, no, I died on the cross for them. Why don't you pray for them? And this is for everybody alive at all times. The Bible is relevant. This is us. This applies to us. We need to pray for that. So if we're going to pray for our nation, we're going to pray about some things for our nation in just a minute. First of all, we need to pray for love and compassion. It starts with humbling, confessing our own sins, and then we're ready to do that. Point four in your outline, we also need to keep praying for our nation and never give up. This isn't just a one-shot deal. I'm glad we're doing this today. I'm glad we're sitting in God's presence today. I'm glad we're humbling ourselves today. We're going to ask for love and compassion in a minute. Glad for all of it. But we need to keep doing this. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Well, there was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. And a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. Now, the judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, look, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman's driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. And then the Lord said, learn a lesson from that unjust judge. Even he rendered a, decision, a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? And if you want to underline anything, underline cry out to him day and night. This isn't a one-shot prayer. I mean, remember, we're supposed to pray for our leaders. Well, what are we praying for? Justice, righteousness, good laws, so we can live peaceful and quiet lives and godliness and dignity. And Jesus is talking to his disciples, to Christians, showing they shouldn't give up. Ah, what difference will it make? I prayed it before, prayed it before. nothing ever changes. This is a waste of time. Jesus says, don't think of it that way. No, I'll tell you, he, grant, he will grant justice to them. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But here's the, here's the kicker. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find faith on, earth, on the earth who have faith? How many people will actually keep praying? More than once. Psalm 33, 20. 
We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. I mean, why don't we give up? Well, we don't give up hope because our hope isn't in the leader. I mean, we're going to change presidents and mayors and city council members and stuff every few years. Our hope isn't in those people. Our hope is in the Lord. Our hope is not in people. Our hope is in you alone. Our hope is in you alone. Could we say that out loud together, please? Our hope is in you alone. One more time. Our hope is in you alone. Why do we keep praying? Why don't we give hope? Because our hope is in him. He is working things in a way. He's always doing more behind the scenes than he is in front of our eyes. Always. And that's why he asks us to trust him. We can't even imagine everything he's doing. And sometimes we give up on stuff and all kinds of good stuff is happening and we don't even realize it. Um, just there are a couple of people here this morning. Nick, I'm going to get you to pray for us in a second. But um, Michael Smith and, and Jerome, and I didn't catch last time. Would you guys come up here? Would you mind coming here, Jerome, just to stand here? I won't ask you to say anything, I promise. Okay? <laughs> I just want you to meet Jerome here. Michael, would you come up here also? Is Michael Smith in here? Yeah, there you are. So, oh, got it. So, I'm glad you're here today. I want you to meet these two guys. If you're tempted to give up hope in prayer, I want to encourage you with a couple of things. Jerome, and I'm going to just hold this mic before you hear it. Tell everybody where you go to school. Valley and Cross Academy. In Montgomery. And tell them what, kind, what class you're a part of. Uh, the first graduating senior class. A Valiant Cross Academy. A Valiant Cross. Yeah, uh, thanks, Steve. And so, uh, and just repeat that one. I, I, I said I wouldn't make you say anything, but just tell them your full name, okay? Uh, I'm Jerome Harris. I uh, attend Valley Cross Academy down in Montgomery, and I'll be a part of the first graduating senior class this coming year. Yeah, so I was incorrect. I asked you to say that. Thank you. But when we pray for a minute for our nation, I don't want you to give up hope. This young man is a testimony that God's done some amazing things. If you want to find out more about Valiant Cross, just get online. You're going to be blown away by the wonderful ministry they do. And I'm glad you're here today. Thanks. I hope, I'm glad you let me call you up here. <laughs> okay. This is Michael Smith. And Michael, would you tell everybody your job? Um, I'm the CEO for the Alabama Sheriff's Youth Ranches, which I know all of you know the tragedy that we've been through two weeks ago. And... Um, I was just talking to my wife this morning. I don't know how we would have ever made it through this without God. And it's been something. You've been to eight funerals this week. Uh, yes, sir. I got to be meet together with their staff last week. pain is overwhelming in a broken world. But Michael, tell us, without the Lord, how could you do it? I, I questioned God. And John came to our office <clears throat> to talk to my staff and um, a lot of questions, but God has a reason and, and Satan's not going to win, not going to win with us. We're going to make our ministry 
helping bring these children into Christian homes stronger and better than ever. We're just not going to let Satan win. And without God and without, of course, you know I lost it with you pretty good that day. And uh, John listened and let me have it. And I told my wife, I don't know. That day changed for me when John came to my office. So God bless you. Well, God was good. I'm just telling you, he answers prayer. <clears throat> GoFundMe account, you guys, over half a million dollars, yes, right? Yes, sir. And so people generously poured out support and other things. And I just want you to know, I wanted these two guys, and Nick, I know we had scheduled something. Let me just pray for this, and then we'll let you sing that song. I just want us to pray right now. And I want to put, if you, would, if you wouldn't mind stretching your hands toward them, I want you, if you're willing to pray, put your hands out in their direction and pray with me. Just put your hand in this direction. Oh, God, I just thank you that Jerome can be here. I thank you that Michael could be here today. And when we pray for the needs of our nation, I don't want to forget that our nation is made up of people like this. Lord, Valiant Cross is a powerful academy, having its first graduating class. And I want to celebrate that so much. Giving young men an amazing opportunity in education they never would have had otherwise. And born out of a deep conviction, Father, that to set things right for people who have needs, to express your love and your forgiveness and your joy and your power and the desire you have for these young men to thrive. And I thank you that Jerome's part of that first graduating class. Bless them. Bless Valiant Cross. Oh, God, bless them. And Father, I just pray now for Michael, too, as I place my hand on his shoulder. I thank you you've been putting your hand on his life. And on, I've been praying over and over again for his staff, for him, going through just an incredible amount of pain. And Father, there are a lot of people in our country going through pain, and that's why we need you. God, you are the one who comforts us in our grief. You're the one who supports us and gives us strength when we're weak. And God, I'm asking you to bring peace and hope to Michael and his staff. And I thank you, Lord, they're going to carry on the wonderful ministry of the Alabama Sheriff's Girls Ranch. And Lord, I thank you for the generosity that people poured out on them to cover funeral costs, to help them in so many ways. And oh God, I just pray that your presence would be felt by each of them. Lord, we, have, we live in a nation of hope in you. because We have hope in our nation because we have hope, hope in you. And Lord, we want to be like the, that persistent widow who keeps praying. I want to keep praying for Valiant Cross. I want to keep praying for the Alabama Sheriff's Girls Ranch. Lord, I want to keep praying for our president, for our governor, for our mayor. God, I thank you that you're in control. We pray these things together in the name of Jesus. Amen.